justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. We're supposed to be people of sacred value, sacred people. And as sacred people, we're supposed to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. You're saying amen. I hope you're ready for it. God, I pray that every person in this room is ready for it. Now, we are ready, God, to do justice as we just love with kindness. God, I pray for every individual here that hearts will be open, that minds will be open, that our spirits will be broken open to receive anew the Christ child that is coming in this Advent season. May we embody, may we engage, and may we experience what the Spirit has for us this morning. In the name of Christ, we do pray. Amen. Well, people of God, it is the second Sunday of Advent. And today we are lighting the candle of peace, as Reverend Kristen told us. Second Sunday of Advent. There's something coming. There's something coming. There's someone coming. The Christ child is coming. There is a sacred child that it's on its way. And I want to ask you, are you ready to receive the Christ child this morning? Advent shows us, it tells us that this is a new season, a new beginning, if you will. But we have to be reminded that in order to fully start off this new season, we have to bring to closure the old season. And so uh, some of us have had a bad season, right? Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And we're ready to bring this season to an end. Some of us have had loved ones who have passed away, and we need to bring to end this stage of grief and move into another stage of grief. Some of us, it's even more than that. We need to let go of resentments and anger. We need to let go of feelings of self-doubt, unworthiness. The Christ child is coming. I hope you are ready. There are many things that we could talk about this morning. I was assigned a topic, and so I have to talk about it this morning. So we're going to talk about sacred people, specifically in the characters of Joseph and Mary this morning. Now you all know Joseph and Mary, at least you think you do. There's a new season that Mary is moving into, but she's bringing the old season to a close. Here in Houston, we should be bringing an end to wearing shorts and t-shirts at this time of year, but that does not seem to be the case. There are many other things that you need to bring to a close. The state of Texas is still defending its ban on marriage equality. Isn't it time that discrimination against same-gender-loving couples comes to an end? Jesus is coming. In Kansas City, earlier this year, a man intentionally ran over and killed a Somali teenager outside of a mosque because of his religion. Also in Kansas City, a man killed a Jewish teenager and his grandfather and shouted Heil Hitler as he did it. Isn't it time that we end religious bigotry and hatred against our 
Muslim and Jewish siblings. People of God, the sacred child is soon to be born. I hope we are ready. In Austin, within the past two weeks, an alleged right-wing terrorist shot over 100 bullets at government buildings, police headquarters, and even tried to burn down the Mexican consulates. He was unsuccessful in that. In fact, did you know that since 9-11, here in the United States of America, more people have been killed because of right-wing Christian terrorist ideologies than terrorists who were influenced by Al-Qaeda? Wherever it comes from, isn't it time that we end the influence of hateful ideologies and just unhealthy religion altogether? The sacred child is coming, and I hope you're ready, and I hope you're ready to receive what the child is bringing. You all know it's been in the news the last two weeks. Grand juries in Ferguson and Staten Island, New York, decided to not indict police officers for the deaths of Michael Brown and Eric Garner. And all across this country, People responded with outrage and largely peaceful protest, regardless of what you have seen on the TV screens. Now, some folks were surprised and even shocked. Presidents were surprised and shocked. And yet there were others of us who were not shocked at all. Others who have lived experiences. And so it just feeds more into that lived experience. But there's something else that happened this week. There was an alliance that came about. MCC, the gay denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, the not-so-gay denomination, <laughs> Pentecostals, Catholics, Episcopalians, Lutherans, every major religious institution and church in this country and across the globe expressed outrage, expressed bewilderment, and said and came together and released statements and said, isn't it time that we end racist policing? They said, isn't it time that we end brutality? Isn't it time that we end violence? Isn't it time that we end the militarization of an institution that is meant to protect and to serve? It was a rare week in the life of the church and the world. These churches came together. I can't believe we agreed with the Southern Baptist Convention. They hate us. They absolutely hate us. Isn't it time that we recognize, just as we value the lives of police officers, that we recognize and we value that all lives matter, especially black lives in this country? Isn't it time that all lives are mattered, not just by you and me, but by the very institutions that we pay our taxes to in this country? People of God, Jesus is coming, and I ask you, is this the world that we want the sacred child to be born into? And no matter your answer to that question, it's the world the Christ child is coming. It's the world the Christ child was also born into 2,000 years ago. Our scriptures highlight the story of Mary and Joseph, two ordinary people in a not-so-ordinary world. The world of Mary and Joseph, two teenagers, as Reverend Kristen rightly pointed out, is a world of haves and have-nots, a stratified society. They both lived in occupied lands. Rome occupied the land of Israel, and the Roman occupation, uh, occupation of Israel began 63 years before the Common Era, and they began this occupation with violence and with terror. And by the time Mary comes along. There is an assumed peace, what we call the Pax Romana. 
And it's a peace as long as you don't challenge or speak up. You see, there are attempts to rise up against Rome. There are attempts to uh, 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 just do things that would require the love of God in society. But Rome was having none of it. And so if you committed any treasonous action, you know what you got? You got what Jesus the Christ got. You got a one-way ticket to the cross for an execution. You could not put your hands up. I guess you could. You could put your hands up. You could say, don't shoot all you want, but it wasn't going to do anything because Rome did not care. Caesar did not care. Caesar had to say so. You had no say, and you were going to die anyway. And so Mary comes along. Mary is visited by an angelic being and informed of a godly plan that involves this Christ child. Joseph is caught off guard like any of us would and wonders if Mary has been sneaking off behind his back. How else could she be pregnant? We're not even married, he says. And back when, an unwed teenage peasant girl, if they were found pregnant, there were serious consequences. Matthew's gospel tells us that Joseph was planning to quietly call off the wedding. It was a discreet attempt meant to protect Mary from public humiliation and social ostracism. And he wanted to protect his own shame as well. Scholars say that according to Jewish law, Mary faced the very real threat of being stoned to death. And wouldn't you know, scholars also tell us what Mary means. Mary comes from Miriam, and they both mean rebellion. Mary means rebellion. And I ask you, what could Mary be rebelling against? Luke gives us some insights in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Mary, 13 years old, give or take, says, sings. And usually people sing the Magnificat, Mary's song. But we've been oppressed people for too long, so I'm not going to put you through that this morning. I'm not going to sing for you. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she continues, for God has looked with favor on the lowliness of this servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. The mighty one has done great things for me. God's mercy is for those who serve God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm. God has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones. And God has lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things. And God has sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servants. Israel. I want you to see. We sing it and it's beautiful. It's very poetic. But please see that Mary is not the meek and mild virgin that we've been told about in our sanitized Christian mythological history. She is a rebel. Mary, rebellion. She is a rebel who radically goes along with God's plan. It's not amazing when you go along with God's plan, you're called a rebel. 
She is a rebel who goes along with God's plan in a rebellion against her culture's expectations, one, and two, against the militarized police state that she lives in called the Empire of Rome. She's also in a rebellion against a system that refuses to recognize the sacred value that she holds within her. People of God, the Christ child is coming. Mary was ready, but I'm not sure that we are ready. Maybe you have felt just as Mary felt. She said, enough is enough. For far too long, Mary and people like Mary have been treated like scum. They've been looked upon with disdain and disgust, with no potential for a successful future. Mary has been taught in this society that she simply isn't good enough, she isn't worthy enough, that God has no place in her life, and she has no place in this world. Maybe some of us can relate to what Mary's feeling in the first century. Maybe you've been kicked out of churches. Maybe you've been kicked out of your homes, households, and families. Maybe you've been told that you are not good enough or that you're not smart enough to get into that school that you've been wanting to go to. Maybe you've been told and you believe that you're not sexy enough to get a fulfilling relationship and partner that you so deserve. Maybe you've been told that you're not driven enough to succeed in a career that you have always wanted and you feel a call of God in your life in that area. Maybe people have told you that you are not spiritual enough to have the relationship with God that you so desperately need. Maybe people have told you that you're not straight enough. Maybe people have told you that you're not white enough. Maybe people have told you on social media or in the bars that because of your HIV status that you're not clean enough. Maybe people told you you're not whatever enough. Whatever you have heard, maybe you can relate to what Mary has heard. And maybe like Mary, it's time for you to stand up Maybe, like Mary, it's time for you to get up and rebel against everything that does not recognize the sacred value that God has given you on the inside. Mary rose up with God, the Christ child, on the inside of her. Maybe it's time for us to rise up and recognize that we, just like Mary, are inherently sacred and inherently good also. For some of us, that might mean coming out. For some of us, it might mean getting an HIV test after church. For others of us, it might be going out and protesting and, yes, even interrupting my shopping at the Galleria Mall. Whatever it looks like, Mary was a rebel. Jesus is coming, and as rebels, I ask you, please have an open mind when rebels rebel against you. I faced a rebellion once, and I met a rebel by the name of David. You know, there are specific points in our histories, in our spiritual lives, that are, have great impact. And mine, this is one of those. And it happened in 2002. Some of you uh, know this story because it's very personal to me. Um, I, I, a lot of spiritual truth came about. And I met David in San Francisco. I was out there for a mission trip. Now, I'm from Houston, Texas, conservative boy, Pentecostal. Can I get an amen? I was a Pentecostal boy from Houston, Texas, going out to San Francisco. Now, what do Houston boys go to San Francisco for? To save those liberal souls, right? And that other thing that you're thinking, and that other thing that you're thinking. Going out, I wanted to go to San Francisco and see what it was like to do inner city ministry 
in the Tenderloin District. I wanted to go out and act on the call that God had given me and go reach people and talk to them and share the God that I serve, the God that they so desperately needed. And so I went out there and I served in soup kitchens and I visited homeless shelters and I just walked along the streets and learned and talked with people. And then one day in a soup kitchen, that's where I met David. And David was eating and David was telling me about his life and I was excited because I was about to save his soul. And David began talking to me and he told me how his life has been going for the past couple of years. He found drugs, got into it. Um, basically, the judge sentenced him to a month in prison. And basically, his um, mother and his parents were just fed up with it. When he got out, they were like, get out, you're done. No more. They said, enough is enough. And so here's David, fending for himself on the streets of the Tenderloin District. Now, back when, you didn't walk the streets of the Tenderloin District. And yet here is David fending for himself, eating in soup kitchens, living in shelters, just trying to make it day by day. And as he told the story, I knew it. I said, this boy needs God like no other. If there's anybody who needs the love of Christ, if there's anybody who lacks Christ and God in his life, it's this boy named David. And then David continued. And he said, oh, I get to have spiritual experiences on the streets. I get to find God when I'm eating in the soup kitchen. I get to be mystical and talk about God with other people that I meet on the streets. But then the rebellion came. He rebelled with his next statement. He said, I appreciate you, Mike. I appreciate what you and your fellow workers are coming out here and doing, that you're feeding us, that you're loving on us, that you're even hugging us, that you're showing compassion to us. And then he got real snarky. He said, but don't come out here and don't serve us and help us out because you think we need God or we lack something on the inside. Come out and serve us because you see God on the inside of me. And having this rebellion in my face, here I was, spent all this money to go and save this soul out in San Francisco, and it was my life that got saved that day. It was my life because of that boy named David, because he rebelled and challenged the institutional thoughts that I put, the spirituality that I was projecting onto him because he challenged me and rebelled and talked back to me. It changed my life forever. And soon after, I found myself in MCC. I thank God for David. I thank God that people like David, that no matter what they've done, they're still people of sacred value. People of God, I hope you'll see, yes, you're a great person. Yes, you're a person of sacred value. We are sacred people, but don't go out and project your Christianity and your spirituality onto others. Don't go out and help people because you see disgusting uh, ugliness on them. Don't go and help people because you think they're evil on the inside. Don't do that. Do it because God created them too and God is on the inside of them. Serve people and love people because there is potential on the inside of the persons that you serve. Serve people and love people because when you do it, you're actually serving and loving God. There are many things that we have to work on as an institution, as a church, but also on a very personal level. No matter what people have done, we always have to check ourselves, if you will. 
what matters to God, and no matter what situation you find yourself in, is you got to keep goodness alive, whether in your own life or in other people's life. What you have to do is hold on to the goodness no matter what happens. Reverend Pat Bumgarner of MCC New York tells us, uh, she has a lot of priest stories. So if you ever meet her, she'll tell you a priest story that she has. Um, uh, Reverend Kristen's laughing because uh, she's good friends with Reverend Pat Bumgarner, but a staunch advocate for social justice and MCC. She tells a story about a priest who was known for his generosity and his kindness. And one night in the midst of a terrible storm out, guess who comes to the door? A demon comes to the door. Oh, a demon. We're done with Halloween, but demons are back. And the priest did the craziest thing. You know, priests are supposed to expel demons, right? Priests are supposed to exercise and cast out demons. The priest invited the demon in. Look at your faces. The priest invited the demon in, and whatever the demon wanted, food, water, a place to just rest and get out of the storm, whatever the demon wanted, the priest gave to the demon, his enemy. And then the demon was flabbergasted. And the demon left. And she said, the moral is that even in front of your demons, even in front of your deepest fears, even in front of the people who are supposed to be your enemies, as long as you hold on to goodness and God that is in that space, as long as you see goodness alive, no matter where you are, nothing can rob you of your kindness. Nothing can rob you of your love. Nothing can rob you of the goodness that you indeed hold in your life. And so, people of God, I fear that with so much turmoil in our world, so much turmoil in a world where the Christ child is coming, people are getting robbed of their kindness and their goodness, of their pastoral hearts, of what God is doing in our world today. This is what we can take from our scriptures. We welcome everyone as good and as messengers of God because of the good and the divine within them. We recognize that you are a sacred person and that I am a sacred person. You love others and you love yourself. And as you help the outcast, as God does, you are helping God. David rebelled and David changed my life. Mary, Mary rebelled and changed the world. Do you think you can be a Mary in this place and in this time? Do you think we can be a movement of Marys that are going to be rebels for justice, rebels for love, rebels for kindness in this world? I hope you will join the movement, recognize your sacred value, and rebel, rebel, and rebel. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. May it be so.